Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Portland Trailblazers fans, and welcome to, well, whatever version of the Blazers Edge podcast this <laughs> is. It is a unusual day. Uh, we don't usually release podcasts on this schedule. We've actually been taking a break for a couple of weeks as we've had vacations and what have you, and we come back from that only to find that Damian Lillard has finally requested a trade. And that happens one day after the opening of free agency in 2023. We're going to talk about that first and foremost. We're also going to cover the draft a little bit because we haven't and, and look towards the future in the midst of this watershed moment. And I have Steve DeBald here with me who is our draft guru, a veteran podcaster, longtime site staffer. Steve, welcome. How are you doing? You know, I didn't have this on my bingo card for the second day of free agency. I uh, I kind of figured we'd hear about it a little earlier or maybe a little later. But, uh, you know, we're here. I, uh, I just got back. I heard the news, got in the car to run some errands and clicked it over to satellite radio and NBA. And it happened to be Bob Witsit getting interviewed of all things. So, you know, I, I think the universe is telling me something today. Uh, so it was, it was interesting to have Trader Bob on the radio the same day. Uh, uh, Damien Lillard formally puts in his trade request for the Blazers, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a contrast, right? Because you have Trader <laughs> Bob who made 17 moves for big names every season. And then you have no trade Joe. Uh, who is not able to execute even one. Now, I don't want to. Uh, look, I mean that very tongue-in-cheek. I'm not sure mm -hmm. what Joe Cronin could have done. All we know is that leading up to this, Lillard said one thing. Get me some help. Some help, please, that's not 19. Can we get someone who can actually walk into a bar with me? Maybe. Or I don't have to, like, you know, keep my beer on one side of the room and they have their juice box on the other side. Uh, could we please trade for one person? And, you know, the, the trade deadline came and went. No dice. Uh, the draft came and went. No dice. Day of free agency opens, there are trades all over the place, not even a minor move. The Blazers did make one move, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I mean, at this point, can you blame Dame for looking at this and saying, yeah, it, it's time? No, I, I don't place any blame on Damian Lillard. Now, I, I do question, it, it is pretty late in the game. I mean, when we look at this era of NBA stars, 
this is as long as we've seen anybody run the clock out with a team that's not making moves to significantly improve the roster around him since we probably Kevin Garnett is probably the only mod, like contemporary that I have in my lifetime. Uh, I just, <laughs> I'm still shocked it's happening, but also I, what I've consistently said throughout this process is, is there's consequences for running your team poorly around Damian Lillard for, you know, eight plus years. I, I think this team, this is a cavalcade uh, of mistakes that has finally, you know, come to, come to bear here and you you know we're paying the tab now and you know i think the blazers have acted without leverage in these trade discussions for a while like my whole thing with the nets like i would love mikhail bridges next to damian lillard in portland but if i'm the nets you know now you're a realistic suitor for damian lillard i think they can put together the best trade package of the teams that are on damian lillard's shortlist even though we we are now hearing that miami is the preferred destination but if I'm the Nets, I'm not trading Mikael Bridges when I think if I hold back, there's a real opportunity for me to actually just get Damian Lillard. So I think that's Joe Cronin has been dealing, playing against a stacked deck since he's taken over, basically. Yeah. And in the opportunities where he has had an even chance, I think he's done pretty well. We'll talk about this in a minute. But first of all, resetting the salary structure a little bit, that's been a minor win. But the major win, I think, was this 2023 NBA draft and mm -hmm. getting Scoot Henderson. I know you're high on him. We'll let you talk about him towards the end. But look, I understand why they got Scoot. I understand why they're keeping Scoot, not just because of his talent, but just because of exactly this. All right. Mm -hmm. Now they have a future going forward. Uh, I can also understand why Dame looked at this and said, nah. I mean, something that, that I wrote earlier is like, since he got here, look, he had the LaMarcus Aldridge era where he had Wesley Matthews next to him. When he was kind of learning the ropes, he had a legit shooting guard who was not duplicating his skills, who was actually taller than 6'3", uh, who <laughs> could defend and all that stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. After that, it was C.J. McCollum, whom I believe Dame loved being with. Dame doesn't regret that, but look, it's C.J. McCollum, and McCollum is the archetype. He's as good as you can get at that height, that skill set, whatever. There, you're not going to find someone much better than C.J., and Dame played with C.J. for, what, eight years? And it's like, okay, one conference finals didn't quite work. And then we put in Anthony Simons, who is slightly taller, maybe a little more springy, but basically also of that ilk. And, you know, kind of didn't work. It's done okay. Simons scored 20, but the Blazers haven't succeeded. And now you're going to bring in Scoot Henderson? It's like saying, you know, well, I got you a margarita. Uh, I, I, don't li I don't like tequila. Well, okay, I brought you a lime margarita. Well, I don't like tequila. Okay, how about a strawberry margarita? All right, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to another restaurant. And... I, I I can't hold that against Dame. It's, the experiment has been tried, and I if I were him, I wouldn't see any uh, future in this, even though I can also make an argument that Joe Cronin did exactly what he needed to do. I, I think the only thing, if we're talking about the history of guards next to Damian Lillard, I think the one thing that I kind of wish I would have seen more was if you could have flip-flopped the order of the Clippers trade with Norman Powell and then the CJ McCollum trade. I would have liked to have seen more of Damian Lillard next to Norman Powell as a shooting guard, not playing him as an undersized small forward. I wonder what that matchup would be 
or what that pairing would have looked like. Because like you said, their skills did not overlap as much as, you know, a CJ McCollum or an Anthony Simons. I think for me in the last two years, I think that's the one thing that kind of bugged me was I, we didn't get a long look at what that backcourt could have been because I think it could have worked. Now, granted, Norman Powell has kind of trailed off and now is looking to get moved himself out of L.A., but I wish I would have seen that match up a little bit more. Or, you know, who who else would have qualified was Josh Hart who was mm-hmm. playing small four and could have converted to shooting guard at, you know, a semi-reasonable price. But A, the Blazers weren't willing to get rid of Anthony Simons, and I can see why. But also, mm-hmm. B, what you brought up at the beginning of this, boy, we've waited awful long to get here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. had the urgency been sooner, or, uh, you know, the, the, the future been clearer, perhaps those moves could have been made a little differently, either to preserve Dame or just as critically, to move Dame sooner. Now, I don't think that the toast has already popped on that yet. I think that they, thank God, they can still get something for him. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the only thing I have to say about the timing in, in the large point of view is, thank God it, it at least was this year. Thank God it wasn't next mm-hmm. year. You know, at least we got this. But yeah, really, we're having the discussion we should have had in 2020 or 2021. And, and we're late coming to this conclusion. I think on the grand scheme of things, I think there, there's a lot of moves that led to this. Uh, I, For me, it is something that I hope the Blazers don't repeat here, and it's something we're going to talk about, I'm sure, is when LaMarcus Aldridge left, they let all those veterans leave for nothing. And I hope that the Blazers avoid that, hopefully with Jeremy Grant, and try to turn that into more assets. We've already seen them take the first big step here and locking him into a new contract, something they didn't do with Robin Lopez. They didn't do with Wesley Matthews. And, I mean, you got Gerald Henderson and Noah Vonley for Nick Batum, who later became, a, you know, immediately became a max contract player. Um, granted, he didn't live up to that contract, but he was still paid that. And then also, I, I think, here and not to you know revisit this but missing on that zach collins pick in that draft where you have three first round picks you trade back up into the lottery in in that lottery who is now stacked there's a lot of max players that were picked after uh zach collins to totally miss there even if zach collins isn't your future there that's an asset you could have moved to augment a damian lillard team you know three, four years down the road where maybe you're not in this situation. I mean, hindsight is 2020, but when we realized that, you know, the Zach Collins thing wasn't going to work, that that was a huge issue for how the Blazers were going to navigate around Damian Lillard. You know, once he's on, you know, a super max contract, once you've paid CJ McCollum, you're losing all that flexibility. And hopefully the Blazers now can reset going forward. And like you said, Keeping Scoot Henderson gives them so much more flexibility. Shaden Sharp having that same flexibility on that rookie control contract, especially as we go into this new CBA, is going to be huge for this team going forward. And really, it hurts and it stings to lose Damian Lillard, but I think this is probably the best option. I think by moving him, they're probably closer to getting to a true title contending window than they were keeping him and trying to continue to put Band-Aids on this thing. Yeah, the the uh, Jeremy Grant thing is interesting because mm. this announcement comes one day after Grant got his basically max renewal. And. Mm. OK, so. For one thing, 
the Blazers kind of halfway had to re-sign Grant given the situation simply because they would have lost him for nothing because their salary cap structure was such that even had he walked, they would have generated zero new salary cap dollars. They would have been kind of in the no zone toward the bottom of the salary cap without a slot to fill that rather than the yes zone, which you want to be pretty close to the luxury tax, but not over it. Grant does that for them given some other moves they're going to make, losing him would have been bad. At the same time, they just offered him $160 million. Uh, starts mm-hmm. probably around 27. It will grow up to 30-something, and they've now signed him until he's 34. That very much does not fit with their timeline going forward anymore, no matter how good Grant is. And by the way, we also saw last year that he's not really a number one option. He's a good number two. He would be a fantastic number three, but he's not your number one guy, no matter what he's scoring. So the Blazers now have that hanging out there. And a little bit of what makes me itch is I know the Blazers had to re-sign Grant probably given the circumstances. But when the circumstances change that radically, when you go, oh, we're probably going to have to dump Dame's contract for a much shorter one in about two years, we're going to be free of $45 million on our salary cap. But now we got Jeremy Grant eating that. Mm. Could the knowledge, if it had come sooner, have altered the calculus on the Grant contract offer? I... I I still am not terribly afraid of the the Jeremy Grant contract. I, I think players like him, even though he is not a number one option on offense, the flexibility offers. He's still at 29. I mean, theoretically should be entering his prime right now. So we might be seeing the best Jeremy Grant years coming up. Now, do I think he fits on Portland's timeline? Probably not. But he probably fits on a contender's timeline. And that's where you're looking at, you know, in the trade deadline this year, what could be out there because he's a perfect plug and play piece. Now also, you know, we've seen him ask out of a situation like this in Detroit where they've went into a hard rebuild and, you know, you're building around Cade Cunningham there in Detroit. He comes to Portland the next year. He came up in the league playing for, you know, the Sam Hinkie Sixers. So, I mean, he's certainly aware of what the situation looks like. It might be nice to have that adult in the room for half a season or maybe a full season. We're talking next off season. We're looking at the Blazers potentially looking to move him. But I think he is a piece, even at that salary structure, for a team to come in and take a swing for a year or two. And we've seen already in the last year or two with you know chris paul russell westbrooks uh john wall you can move these big contracts at the back end if you're committed to doing so there's willing teams that are able that are willing to you know take lesser assets to to take a salary like that so i i don't think it's a huge issue i'd rather have them protect that asset and look for more pieces moving forward and, and hopefully the plan is to trade him because i certainly don't see how he fits on this timeline for the blazers where where they are currently constructed yeah i, I agree although i think he'll probably be traded sooner i mean mm-hmm. i think your trade deadline and or next summer is, is where it's at while he's on the lower end of that contract while he's younger i'm not sure 33 year old jeremy grant plays the same mm-hmm. so yeah. I believe it. And I think, you know, you're looking at L.A. teams, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, these same teams are talking about Dave, Miami, Brooklyn, people who have money to burn, don't care about their ledger and also expect to contend. So I also think he's movable. But I think mm-hmm. it, it's it's just kind of interesting. Literally the day after 
Okay. Mm -hmm. it, one of two things could have happened there. Dame could have been like, well, let's give them 24 hours to see if they actually make a trade. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, sure. But the idea that that would happen immediately, uh, you know, it may take a week. It may take two. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I can't credit that fully as the reason. But also, I don't want to mess up Jeremy's contract offer. If mm -hmm. Dame says this a month ago, do the Blazers then at least rethink and keep in mind that only the Blazers could offer Jeremy Grant that fifth year? We're talking about like 30, what, $4 million, $35 million. Like yeah. if I say a sentence on, on this day in April or I say a sentence on this day in July, the difference in those 60 days is $35 million for you. I think I'm going to keep my mouth shut for a minute. Right now, I'm not saying yeah. that that's I'm, I, that's speculation on my part, but it just does seem awfully convenient for the you know for Grant especially. Uh, it doesn't make any difference for Lillard. It just may make a difference for the Blazers, or may have. We'll never know. And that I think shows you where we are with this. There's no mm -hmm. longer it's no longer an us as if that wasn't obvious by the trade request. It's the mm -hmm. Blazers have got to look out for themselves because everybody else is looking out for themselves. Yeah, and really, you're looking at the open market with Jeremy Grant. I wonder if this was, I would assume this was, was in the works the second the Blazers traded for him. But also, you know, you're talking Damian Lillard, making sure, I mean, he it's been no secret he is very close with Jeremy Grant. You don't want to screw up that money. I mean, it's just bad business from an agency standpoint as well and making friends in this league. But also... I think the Blazers were always going to do right by Jeremy Grant too, and really look to maximize his earning potential, maybe uh, earning favors down the road here for, for their agent uh, working with clutch as well. Um, because really once the Kings made their decision on how they were going to use their cap space, you know, the Rockets were basically crystal clear that they were going after Fred Van Fleet on that max deal that that list of potential Jeremy Grant suitors for that big contract, unless it's a sign in trade, got drastically smaller, you know, especially coming into, you know, yesterday when the deal was signed. Right. But does Portland have more leverage? I too believe there was no way <laughs> yeah. they weren't going to re sign Jeremy Grant. But you know what? Seriously, if you tell me at the time the Blazers exited the season, if Lillard said, Hey guys, I'm not coming back no matter what, and I'm not gonna say it publicly, I'm gonna keep it on the down low. But I'm telling you, I am not coming back next year. Don't you at least go into the office and sit with your brain trust and go, okay, let's at least talk about how this affects Jeremy and how we see Jeremy. And is it really essential to max him out or is that best for us? You know, it may be. And again, I think they make him an offer. But mm -hmm. do they then have more leverage going, you know what, we're going to peel some off of this? Or does that, maybe it wouldn't even matter to them since they're going to trade him anyway. But it just, uh, all I'm saying is the optics of the timing mm -hmm. of this just should make it clear. Look, you go to the, do you go to the club with your significant other and you're going to get a drink and you look over and they're grinding on someone else? <laughs> like the optics of that, no matter what the yeah. intentions are, the optics of that are going, you know what? I should probably red flag this a little bit. It doesn't yeah. feel like the Blazers got the chance to perceive that red flag. They were like, mm. uh, come back with the drinks and 
damn, she's gone. <laughs> you know? like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what am I going to do with these two? I can't. I guess I will drink both of them. I better get an Uber. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I, I Again, I just think that makes clear where the Blazers are. They better look out for themselves. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think protecting the asset was always the right thing to do. Giving Jeremy Grant that money, regardless of if, if Damian Lillard was going to be back or not, you needed to pay him. Now, granted, we can, I, I see the argument of how much money that should have been or how the extra year should have that have been in place. I see that argument. But what you don't want to run into is, is a situation where you're Joe Cronin and you're saying, you know, I traded CJ McCollum and Larry Nance for Chris Murray, like at the end of the day, like, I mean, you need to, you need to drive up assets. And I mean, also the exodus of Norman Powell and Robert Covington. I mean, the, the net gain there is hopefully whatever you're going to get from this Jeremy Grant deal, along with, you know, restructuring the salary set up with this team. Yeah, I think you've convinced me because that fifth year is going to be someone else's problem, right? Yeah. But I think we're agreed that Jeremy Grant's gone. I think Yusuf Nurkic is gone at this point. I think mm -hmm. that might have happened anyway. So you start yeah. looking at either how you can package them or deal them separately. Now, let's touch briefly on uh, trade possibilities. We're going to talk about this for weeks, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> before we get to the draft, so I agree that Brooklyn is the most promising destination in my mind if the blazers could get nick claxton that would be six thumbs up from me i'm not sure mm -hmm. that that's possible but that would be my first ask but the second mm -hmm. ask is going to be what i think they're going to need to get from whomever and whether it's straight up or three-way deals or whatever uh, look i'm going to take back salaries i know that because Dame, mm -hmm. right? And I'm willing to take your salary. You know, a couple years, a guy who's overpaid, I will do it because I don't expect to contend in the next two years. But I want picks. And I want those picks unprotected. And I want mm -hmm. those picks in a zone where I'm going to get something from them. So I can now layer my return because I've got all these young guys right now. I'm going to spend three, four years growing them up. In four years, I want another lottery pick. And in six years, I want another lottery pick. And if I can get that, now my future looks okay, even though in the short term, no matter what I do, it's going to suck. I do not. Uh, young players, sure. But I've already got those uh, kind of mid-range veterans. Bah, I'm only taking them on for salary purposes. I'm actually going to try to get mm. rid of mine. I want picks. And whoever can give me the picks is who's going to get my attention. Yeah, the big thing here for them is the Nets clearly have more flexibility. They have what I believe is the big prize potentially here, which is not going to sound great to Blazer fans right now. But that 2029 Mavs pick. Uh, unprotected, part of the Kyrie Irving deal. Uh, that's probably well past, I would imagine, uh, Luka Doncic is maybe potentially out of Dallas at that point. That could be a, a very attractive piece that you're looking maybe to move in a different world where we're, you know, hopefully not exactly back in the situation where you're looking to move uh, uh, a lucrative pick to build around Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. But for Portland, you really do want to stack the deck here because really you're looking at a team that's, you know, let's be honest, potentially one of the worst teams in the league next year without Damian Lillard. Unfortunately, the 2024 draft is not great. I, I, there's nobody in there that really blows me away. What you really want to do is try to get in position to where that 2025 draft is potentially has two players in that can really change the course of your franchise. One of them being Carlos Boozer's son. Um, very 
very stacked draft class in 2025. Really, 2024 doesn't do a lot for me. So you want multiple bites at the apple here. You want to load up on those. Now, Brooklyn can throw some pieces in there, uh, depending on how they stack the salary. As far as young players go, Dayron Sharp could fit what Portland's trying to do, especially if Yusuf Nurkic goes on. He's a young center, came out of North Carolina. I, I think he is begging for a bigger opportunity. Granted, Nick Claston would be great. But I think if you're Brooklyn and you're Dame, you're certainly hoping that Claxton stays in place. Um, but also, you know, potentially a Royce O'Neal type where I think that's a player that Portland can hang on to until the trade deadline and flip him again to a contender, either for, you know, multiple second round picks or, you know, a future first or some form of a first round pick that has protections on it. So I, I certainly like Brooklyn's asset trove more. Now, the thing with the Heat is, is I kind of like the idea. I, you know, the trade package is not as good. Let's be upfront about that. But Tyler Harrow coming back, I know he doesn't fit really with the roster, but what it does is it gives you a poster child, a face to the Dame Exodus. So where Portland fans can channel their frustration onto one player and it kind of saves Scoot. So the scrutiny is going to land on, on Tyler Harrow and it might just avoid that, you know, connection of, we drafted Scoot, so Dame left. So now maybe it shifts a little bit to we traded Dame for this guy, and maybe that could channel and save, you know, Scoot some scrutiny early in his career. I know that's a, a very roundabout tinfoil hat thing to way to think about it, but it's something that's crossed my mind and how I'm kind of bargaining with myself if the Miami Heat package is the one the Blazers receive. Yeah, well, I think the Heat are going to have to three way. I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any way around it. Uh, whatever. If if Portland gets two future first round picks that could strike in the lottery, I'm good. And again, I don't want them protected. I don't want you know lottery protected. No, that's useless to me. I, yeah. I literally this is Damian Lillard. I want a future lottery pick, minimum one, if you can give me a player. Two, if you can't. And I think the the Blazers should be satisfied with that. Now. Is that what he's worth? Probably to Portland, he's worth a lot more. But that option, of course, is gone. So mm -hmm. that would be my ideal. And, you know, again, let uh, let Brooklyn take Hero in a three-way or let uh, <laughs> let them yeah. let them use their reserve center and give him a bigger opportunity. I swear to you, if, if the Blazers got Nick Claxton, they would be set roster balance-wise. And you could even, mm -hmm. there are ways to give up Nurkic in that deal at the same time, yeah. right? So, you know, you could give, Brooklyn the center back. In fact, Dame could have his ideal, I guess, probably if, if Nurkic were going out, then Ben Simmons would have to come back to make salaries work. But Dame yeah. could have his almost ideal roster of friends. It would be the super friends that Dame loves, yeah. right? So, I mean, I think there are ways to do that. If Brooklyn has a loose grip, that's absolutely where Portland should put the crowbar first. Uh, get those white knuckles off and get your center. Uh, if not, as you say, maybe the backup center. But it, it, look, if I just have to take salary, and keep in mind, I'm paying for that. I'm taking your crap salaries. All right. Mm -hmm. In addition to giving you a superstar, I don't think two future lottery picks when you are have them falling out of your pocket like Mr. Moneybags is mm -hmm. too much to ask. What are you going to do? You're not. Let's 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 look straight. Let's talk straight. You're not going to use all of those. Come on, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. You're not going to draft six lottery picks in a row and play them all. Bite me. That, yeah. that can't be done. Yeah. 
You're going to miss on some of them. They can't all, you know, you, you can't choose positions in the lottery. Some of them are going to be duplicates. Shut up. Take Dame. Take Nurk if you want him. Give me those two future picks and you keep the four others. If I'm Brooklyn, I absolutely go for that. Yeah, I mean, obviously with Nurk and creating that that team in the Nets, like you said, you know, where you're lining up all of Dame's friends up there. Brooklyn created a $19 million traded player exception yesterday that Yusuf Nurkic fits into ideally. Um, but granted, you are going to probably at that point be taking back Ben Simmons, which in itself should count for at least one, possibly two first round picks to eat that salary. So you're talking, I, I, I hope if the return is salary that is Ben Simmons and you're sending Dame there, a package of at least four unprotected future first round picks, I think is the starting point along with, you know, potentially a young player that's on their roster now, whether that be, you know, Cam Thomas or, or Dayron Sharp, but who, <laughs> I mean, you got to get them I'd, to, I'd, to it. I'd absolutely do it for two. I'd do it, but they have to be like the Dallas one you mentioned and one of Phoenix's unprotected, what their middle one, I think. I don't want it too soon and I don't want it too late. Uh, I, yeah. I think what they have two, 2019 or something like that was one of them or not 19 well, past, but like 29 20, 29 27 yeah yeah so i'd like 27 or something like that you know so a couple of unprotected picks i think portland should take it and run and hey we have ben simmons this is going to be fun watch him and scoot and and uh Shaden sharp play defense and share ball, ball handling duties right it's not like yeah. simmons is going to take away shots from your rookies so yeah, what the hell? Yeah, we're going to suck. But you know what? We're going to keep drafting in the lottery and look what we've got in the future. I think you, we can do that. Yeah. Now, in the time we have re remaining, less than 10 minutes or so, apparently, uh, mm -hmm. what we want is let's look at that future a little bit. And this is where you are our expert. So first of all, tell us, first of all, how do you feel about the Scoot Henderson draft? I, I honestly think Scoot Henderson would clearly be the number one pick in, in this draft if... Victor Wembanyama didn't didn't exist, which granted that's a huge giraffe in the room, I guess. And then next year, he certainly would have been the first pick. Looking at how this draft class lines up now, if you want to draw a comparison to a guard from last year, Jaden Ivey was the top point guard in the draft last year. Scoot Henderson is miles ahead of where Jaden Ivey is. You're, you're talking about a player who's not only incredibly athletic. We're hearing a lot of the Russell Westbrook comparisons, but. I think Scoot as a pick and roll operator is way ahead of where most guards are. He has a very good understanding of the gravity he creates and how to get other players open. I mean, he's really good at hitting the roll man. He can create at all three levels. Now, granted, his consistency from beyond the arc needs to improve, but it's not like his shot form is broken. I think he has played with grown men in a professional league in the G league for two years, heavier last year. I mean, granted to take some time off in the middle of the season, but I think he is well equipped to make this, this leap to the NBA. He said all the right things, all the returns from his pre-draft workouts is that he is a, a professional. I think that was something that hurt Brandon Miller in some of his workouts. And I think that led to some of the questioning that Charlotte had, which ultimately I think Charlotte drafted by need instead of best player available, which you should never do. Um, and, and I think scoot it, it's going to take some time. I mean, he's not going to come in and, and, you know, be 
a leader on a team that's going to be trying to play for the playoffs next year. But I think he has everything you need to be that player in two or three years. I think he could be, you know, a John Morant type where he's making that big impact very early in his career. I think he has all the tools there. He has the base. He can create separation. And I think his shot form is just a matter of dialing it in. It's not like it has to be completely reworked like you would see potentially with, you know, like an A-man Thompson who's going to have to have his shot form completely reworked at the NBA level. So in reality, Scoot's the player they traded Dame for, no matter who they get back, mm-hmm. right? You know, when they decided to yeah. keep him, uh, then that also was a domino that led to Dame. Uh, Chris Murray, other first round pick, a big guy. He's got mm-hmm. a shot, doesn't he? I mean, I don't just need a shot to make it. He's literally got a shot. Like, yeah. Yeah. Th- th- no. he can hit buckets from farther away. Yeah, you're talking about a 6'8 player who is comfortable playing the post, has, you know, really played second fiddle basically his entire career behind his his twin brother, Keegan, who plays for the Kings, who was a lottery pick last year. Uh, Chris steps into a much larger role at Iowa last year and really thrives. He, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, as far as his shot goes, you know, 70%, above 70% free throw shooter, above 30% three point shooter. But again, all the fundamentals are there. He's really good at knocking down open shots. He was asked to really carry that entire offense last year for Iowa. I think he's going to settle into, you know, a tertiary role much better here. The other thing I really like for him as a defender, and it's something I've always liked about these larger wing defenders that are left handed is when people drive right on him, they're driving right into his dominant hand. And I think we've seen where he really toes that line of being opportunistic, getting steals and creating turnovers, but not having to gamble. And I think that just comes down to, you know, being left-handed and being in position. I think he is a very mature player uh, that is going to play a lot this next year. I also think that there is probably a connection here. You can draw a line that Trenton Watford and Chris Murray, you know, there is some redundancy on offense, but I think Chris Murray is the more complete player. And maybe there was a decision made that, you know, we'd rather give these minutes to Chris Murray than maybe Trenton Wofford. Yeah. So, so far, the Blazers went classic in the draft with their highest pick. They got the best player available point guard phenom. Right. And then they got kind of a, a, a utility role player who's expected to you know, maybe play above his head a little bit as he develops with Chris Murray as a first round or second first round pick. And then in the second round, they got Rayon Rupert, right? I don't, I have no idea how <laughs> yep. to pronounce his name, but that sounded I think, I good. Think I think you're closer than I am, so you're good. So uh, I just pronounced it like I was ordering in a shishi restaurant. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and this guy's the body guy, right? This guy's the 17-year-old athletic wingspan, you know, freaky, oh my gosh, what could he be? We're investing for four years down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ryan Rupert is a, a great wing option uh from what i've seen now where i granted was not very familiar with his game until they drafted him and i've kind of gone back and done some reading watched some of his highlight he played in the australian league the nbl last year uh that is a very physical tough league and this is a, a player that you know at his young age was averaging you know between you know around 15 minutes if you count the playoffs and the regular season but he's going in he's asking to be the primary wing defender here he you know six six above seven foot wingspan i mean you gotta love what he could potentially be 
as a wing stopper, something the Blazers have desperately needed since, you know, another French player who has a connection to this, to Mr. Rupert in, in Nick Batum. I mean, these players are, are connected. Rupert won a, uh, you know, most valuable player in, in a Nick Batum camp. So, you know, he's excited to be in Portland, which I think is also a big thing. Um, I love the potential upside of this pick. A lot of guys gave him a first round grade going into draft night. This was a Mike Schmidt's pick, right? I, I you can yep. smell it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very nice. I thought that draft, and also very well set up for the future. Which is again, I think Lillard read this, his agent read this, and you know, good job. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, the Blazers, I think, got an A in that draft. For me, they did great. They just got a D if they were looking to rebuild around Dame. So, Mm -hmm. I I mean, and again, you can trace that back several months. The the, the trade deadline moves. There are moves last summer. Same thing. Probably Bs, B-minuses, maybe an A-minus in there somewhere. Uh, A in this draft, if you're looking to reset the team. D, D D-minus, if you're actually looking to build around Dame. That eventually came to a head. Dame called it on him, called Mm -hmm. them on it. What can you do? And here we go. So we will see. This is not the last time we will talk about this this summer, I'm sure. Thank you, Steve, for being with us with your draft optimism and also your (laughs) Dame and Jeremy Grant analysis. I appreciate it. Any final thoughts? Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I guess now we're focused on, I mean, obviously where Dame is going to go, but also, you know, what do the Blazers do with Matisse Thibel going forward now? Where does he fit? Where do they see him fit going forward? So he's that's young, what I'm kind of interested to see. Right. He's yep. 25. Yep. Young enough. He fits, right? Yep. Jeremy Grant's the oddball and Nurkic, but yep. Thibel, why not have Thibel? Especially if you got Shane yep. Sharp playing off guard, you need somebody back there to help him learn how to play defense and to back him up so you don't get slaughtered, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Exactly. Yep. So. All That's right. I, I make. Well, I guess we're we're finally here. It's finally happening. So we'll we'll see what happens. All so. right, together in the new era of Trailblazers basketball yeah. for Steve DeWald. I'm Dave Deckard. We will see you again soon.